This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty. Leger Ducible, how important getting off to a decent start is for that team. The first eight games is rough. If they can finish four and four, the back half looks really good for them. It's all about A.A. Ron, Aaron Rodgers getting that continuity on offense. I think the good thing that's different from this year compared to previous years is that he was there the whole offseason. He was building that rapport with Gary Wilson. He was out in the New York street with his teammates building that camaraderie. It's good to know that he already has two weapons that he's very familiar with and Randall Cobb and, and also Alan Lazard. So they're already going to have nice continuity. Now it's about just getting everybody else on the same page. You're getting a pissed off, surly, you know, motivated Aaron Rodgers and that has to bow well for, for the New York Jets. This is ESPN New York Tonight with Larry Hardesty here on 98.7 ESPN. Big Daddy Ty Butler at 10 o'clock. Oh, he's going to be in a foul mood. Oh, he can't be happy. Oh. Mets winning 7-0 up in the Bronx. I mean, I'm even shocked. At Daniel Vogel back with a home run? <sighs> Alonzo with two? It's been one of those nights. And listen, I got to admit it. I'm, I'm going to admit it. Harvey told me. Harvey told me tonight. Joe Leo mentioned it last night. Oh, we can't hit Verlander. Oh, we 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 just nothing we can do with Verlander. Nothing we can do with Verlander. We can't do anything with Verlander. This is probably the best stretch of games Verlander has had this season. And if they don't make it, the Mets, and we get to the calls in a second. If they don't make it to, you know, whatever benchmark they make the decision on and whether they're going to be sellers or buyers. I can't see them being buyers, but sellers or buyers at the deadline. Uh, Verlander makes it real interesting for them. Now, they're going to have to pay some of the money, clearly. But the way he's pitched the past couple of outings, he's starting to put it together. And I know I'm going to hear it. <laughs> this Yankee lineup just doesn't hit. I mean, you know. Yeah, they look really good, but that was Kansas City. Okay, I got it. I understand. Both these teams are not exactly going to be, you know, we're not looking at two of the top offenses in the major leagues here. <laughs> we get that. It's not going to be confused. We understand. But really, it's it's a scenario that, for me, as a Met fan, I just want it, when you get to the, the trade deadline, it's understood. We're not, this is it. We're selling. We're sellers. We're selling this one, this one, this one, and that one. And we'll take what we can get. And that's going to be where they are. But I don't want them to give anything away, but I want them to try to make the best deal possible. And ultimately, that's all they can do under this situation because, I mean, what a mess. Buddha's in the Bronx. What's up, Buddha? Hey, um, what's going on, my dude? I'm doing good, man. What's happening? You know, listen, we spoke about this a while ago. I spoke with you and Gordon about this. You know, in my humble opinion, Saquon Barkley would be better off if he got away from the Giants and possibly made less money per year but was on a winning team. Mm -hmm. That's what's going to preserve his career because these guys are going to run him. <laughs> they're going to run him into the gravel quarry on the Twinstone. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I don't even mean to laugh. And I will feel more sympathy for the brother, but 
you know, after all this hibbity hoopla he made and everything, and he came out and signed that deal mm-hmm. right on time to get into training camp. It was less money than they offered originally. I mean, the brother played his hand wrong. Yeah. And, you know, if I'm Josh Jacobs, you know, I'm revoking <laughs> your Zoom your Zoom password doesn't work anymore. <laughs> yes, <I'm sure. laughs> we revoked that. And if I see you in the streets, I'm <laughs> I might want to put some hands on you because <laughs> you messed me up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh, You're right. God. It's true. Uh, I, feel, it's true. I, I feel bad saying that, man. I do, but you know, like Dom Toretta always says about Brian in Fast and Furious, when it comes down to Saquon, his business negotiations. You know, use a buster. But um, as opposed to the Jets now, let's flip, do the flip side. Okay. And it's really, this, this is, um, these are unique times. Like Ira was saying to you the other day, uh, these unique times we're seeing, like, first-class quarterback play. Mm-hmm. It's also unique times when you're looking at the Giants and you're looking across that, you know, I guess across the locker room, you know. Yeah. And you're like, we're, the, the, we're the better team. Right, right down the hall. And we're the better team. You know, I know it's apples to oranges, but uh, our best player, who was just going to the one contract, uh, signed, sealed, and delivered, Quinn Williams. You know, mm-hmm. peace out to Joe Douglas for that. I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, moving forward, we got a lot of things in our favor. But I'll tell you something. Yes. A lot of the discussion that's been going on has been based around the quarterback. Yeah. Rightfully so, and all that. But I, I forgot who was talking about it. I forgot, but... When you really watch Aaron Rodgers in his championship years when he won a chip, and in the last few years we had the, when he won the MVP, you might think he was just winging it and throwing it down the field a lot. And when he had Devontae Adams, Devontae Adams helped boost his stats. But there was a two-running-back program, you know, i.e. to what I said, like Saquon Barkley to go to one of the better teams where he could do his outside thing and I have to worry about running between the tackles, but that's just my humble opinion. But um, with Aaron Rodgers, he had Aaron Jones, and he had A.J. Dillon mm-hmm. in the recent years. So what I, why I bring that in reference to talking about where the Jets stars, we got a lot of things in place. We got a lot of structures in place. The safety's going to have to work itself out, like Doosable said. I, you know, the Adams guy, we'll see. Um because Clark being injured and being signed as a free agent, I'm sorry, you can you can't just wash that away. That that's a no, problem. That hurts. But yeah, that that's a problem. But when it comes down to what the Jets' offense really would look like if it's really clicking, there's too much dependence on Brees Hall coming back healthy right away. Mm-hmm. Uh, from what I've seen from Michael Carter, yo, it's been real. Peace out, homie. You got to go. I prefer to stick with Bam Knight because what I saw from Bam Knight was more versatility in terms of the holes that he could run. And and, and the production, at, at best, Michael Carter's at best, was similar to what Bam Knight's was on a weekly basis. So we say goodbye to him. But I'm not dependent on Bam Knight to either carry us or be the Robin to Brees Hall's Batman when he's healthy. Mm-hmm. They have to get a legit back. I know Dalvin Cook is not going to be in the mix. But you got to peruse what's going on over here, you know, dur- you know during this um, preseason and see somebody who comes available who could give you more than what James Robinson gave you, you know, what you, or what you thought he was going to give you last year. Because that's how you're going to keep Aaron Rodgers upright. 
That's how you're going to keep the Jets' offense balanced. I don't care what you say. People still don't get it. You're going to have the greatest quarterback as you want. Uh, listen, look at your man Herbert. Herbert's mm-hmm. got all of that money, right? Herbert's yeah. got all of that money. You know if you put it into your, in a big game between Herbert and Trevor Lawrence, you would give it to Lawrence over Herbert. Yeah. And the last thing I say is, and I heard Trey when you were talking about, you know, you, you have your sons and you tell them to get some wide receiver gloves and all that. <laughs> You know, screw what Herbert got, screw what all these guys got. I got a kid, and he's above six feet. I'm giving him that pill. I'm telling you, get out there on that blacktop. Don't come back here until you're a good player. Because <laughs> <laughs> when you look at what, what Jalen Brown got, yeah. <laughs> as opposed to all these other girl guys got, mm-hmm. that's guaranteed where he could come up small in the Eastern Conference Finals. Yeah. Basketball is a sport you want to play, not football. It's true. <laughs> it's true. And, and and you get to go where you want to go. <laughs> yeah, call, and fire the coach or get rid of the owner if you don't like him. <laughs> How about that? That's right. <laughs> Thanks for the call, Buddha. It, it's, it's totally different. Oh, man. That's the other thing. Can you imagine, just for a second, you'll say Quan Barkley, and not only do you see what – Herbert got, but you're looking and you're like, you know what? I probably would have been maybe a pretty good guard because Jalen Brown has signed a new deal, Supermax, five years, $304 million. Saquon had to fight for $10 million. We'll continue the conversation with your calls next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. When I was out there the other day, you know, players were asked about that, and they said, yeah, absolutely, our goal is to be the number one defense. Now, they were number four last year, which was an amazing turnaround. The previous year, they were number 32. That was actually, uh, I did the research on this. That was like the second largest turnaround in the last 50 years in the NFL. Now, history tells us it's very hard for teams that make that kind of turnaround to maintain it the following year. So it'll be interesting to see how they handle that. But they got nine starters back. Ritzamini on ESPN talking about the Jets defense. And listen, there's no question that they want to be the best. And that's what Joe Douglas is trying to lock in by having and signing Quentin Williams, which was the right thing to do. Quentin Williams has proven to you over the past couple of seasons that he deserves the money that he got. He's been a dominant player. He's been a consistent player. He's been a, he's been a player that's produced. And so he, he earned, he's earned his money. But as Leger Doosable mentioned, th- that safety is going to be that safety position is going to be an issue. Okay, that safety position needs to be locked down a little bit. Needs to be locked down. And obviously, you got to get a pass rush from somewhere, and all those things are, are what will help them be a better defense. But there's other things too, and we talk about it over and over and over again. And that's, uh, you know, attention to detail. That's making sure that everybody's on the same page. The communication's got to improve. That's not having self-inflicted wounds. Those are the little things that, that you have to help. 
Those are the things that allow you to do what you need to do to be a really good NFL team defensively. And of course, the next thing is, hey, let's have our offense put some points on the board. How many times, how many times have we talked about when the Jets were playing New England and Tom Brady's on the field? How many times when Peyton Manning was in Indianapolis and Denver? How many times with the great quarterback do you hear that your offense sometimes is your best defense? How many times have you heard it? How many times? I've heard it a lot. Because what that means is the offense is scoring, and while they're scoring with nice long drives, you know, that offense, Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. They're on the bench, watching, sitting there, wondering when they get their opportunity. And so that's what the Jet. that would also make the Jets one of the best defenses in the National Football League, if they could get that to happen and happen consistently. Okay? That would be great for them. Great. Mel's in Queens. What's up, Mel? What's going on, Larry, man? You know, I'm enjoying the show. Good. Glad. Um, man, we can't disrespect Jalen Brown, man. Jalen Brown's one is a top 10 player in the NBA, right? He's doing mm-hmm. what he's doing as a number two option. He's been to multiple conference finals. He had big roles in it. He's been to the NBA finals. There's a bunch of players who's been probably making over 200000 at Think about what poor George and all these players have been making for years, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. And, you know, they haven't been that far. So we got to give Jalen Brown his respect. Oh, and absolutely. We can't try to, like, we, and we can't try to disrespect them because of one game about that whole left-hand stuff. Before that, no, game, no, before no, that no. last game, we wasn't hearing about that whole left-hand stuff, um, Larry. We got to be honest. That was a bad game. You mean this year? This year, yeah. Before yeah. that bad game this year, you was ne- it was never a rumor about Jalen Brown left-hand. That was a bad game he had, and I don't know what happened with the basketball, but it looked kind of crazy. I agree. But, man, mm-hmm. he can ball. When you take him on the Knicks right now, I take him on my team. There's no question, Mel. Nobody's laughing at Jalen Brown. We were, we were smirking, and thanks for the phone call, at the fact of how much money is made in the NBA as opposed to running backs in the National Football League. That's what we were talking about, and it came up that one caller said, that he wanted his kids to, rather than play running back, he'd give them some gloves and make them play wide receiver. And then Buddha called in and said, forget that. I'd make him go outside and get a basketball considering how much Jalen Brown has made. When you talk about making money as a pro athlete. So that's what we were talking about. Listen, Jalen Brown, we understand he is a tremendous talent. And if anything, you blame the coaching and his other teammates where they have not done the job because they should have, they lose to Golden State in the in the championship, all right? And then, I mean, how many times have they been to the conference finals? How many times have they gone deep into the postseason? I mean, they're due. They're overdue. They're overdue. It's just when you look at that Boston Celtic team and how many times do we say, you know what, they're, the talent on that team, there's something missing. What's going on? This year is going to be very interesting, though, Mel, for them. It's going to be very interesting because they've added Christoph Porzingis. And so now, for me, one of my 
curiosities about them offensively was when do you consistently see Tatum and Brown play off each other? And I get they're really the same player. They're really the same player. They really play the same position. I understand that. But they really haven't mastered consistently. Now, they did it in a couple of games in the postseason. But they haven't mastered consistently where they can play off each other. All right, where Tatum says, okay, you take this. And Brown says, no, I got it. You take this. And so now, how does KP fit in with those two, with those two guys? Where is he able to be effective? How does that chemistry work? All right, so that's going to be interesting to see. And, and listen, you know, you got a young coach up there who's got him for the full, full season, and now they'll have to find a way to figure it out and make it work. With a new guard, with Derek White handling uh, the point guard now. So that, that's going to be the question for Boston. How do they make this work? How do they get back to where they've been? How do they get to the championship and win? With an East that's, listen, pretty good. Milwaukee's good. Miami is eventually going to do something, whether they get Dame Lillard or somebody else. They're going to improve. All right. The Knicks, we'll see what they do. A lot of rumors as to who they're getting. Philly, I still don't know what, what the Sixers are doing. I mean, Nick Nurse is like, what? <laughs> Can somebody tell me what my team is going to look like? Because <laughs> I have no clue. I don't know what's going on down here. So there's a lot of different things going on with that Boston Celtics team. No question about it. Mike Tannenbaum weighs in on uh, the Jets situation offensively. He loves Gary Wilson. Garrett Wilson has a chance to be a superstar. I think he's faster than Devontae Adams and um, certainly has higher upside. The question with Garrett Wilson is, can he stay healthy? But if he can play in all 17 games, his ceiling is absolutely incredible. No doubt about that. But what, what, did, what did defensive coordinators learn about Garrett Wilson last season that they will try to take away from him in this offseason, this season? What did they learn? When they watched him in videos, what did they learn? Did they learn something about style? Did they learn something? What did they learn? Because you could argue there were times late in the season where they really were predetermining that they were going to Gary Wilson. And sometimes he was double covered. Sometimes he wasn't. Sometimes he had drops. So his attention to detail and his focus and him adjusting to what other people do. That's going to be what will make him a great receiver. And yeah, he's got a really good quarterback. <laughs> That's going to help him too. Especially if he listens to what Aaron Rodgers has to say. Especially if he listens and hard work in that video room. Because... That's what you want to see with young players. When you have the success that they've had with him and Gardner in their first year to be offensive and defensive rookies of the year. I mean, that puts a lot of attention on you and a lot of pressure. How do you improve 
on what you've done? How do you get better? What does it take for you to understand what teams are trying to take away from you and make them pay? And I know it's only a second year, but I agree with Mike Tannenbaum that he can be really, he is a definite number one receiver. He's a world-class receiver. And with a really good quarterback that you have and a situation where you've got some, you know, some, some options where you can spread them out, you don't have to go to him all the time. On paper, the Jet offense should be pretty good. Should be pretty good. We'll continue the conversation here on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. We know that the Yankees would be highly motivated if he's actually put out there. This is their window to win. So I think if they got word that Otani was actually available, they would be aggressive. I talked to someone who knows Artie really well the other day, and this person told me no chance he trades him to the Dodgers ever. The team that's cited often by executives, the Tampa Bay Rays, because they are a team that has had this terrific season. They've slumped the last month, and they've got a deep farm system. They would have what it takes to get it done. Buster Olney, as the trade deadline gets closer and closer, the Los Angeles Angels are 51-49 and 49 at start of play today. Seven and a half games out of the top spot in the West. Texas has a two-game lead over Houston. Normally, when we're talking about the Angels this time of year, they're not in it. Normally, we're talking about, man, when are we going to see Mike Trout and Otani late in the postseason? When are we going to see the top two players in the game, two of the top players in the game? Because many still consider Mike Trout the best player in the game. Although, with, you know, what Otani's been able to do, especially this year, and still pitch has been pretty amazing. But and, and I get that the Yankees would, listen, anybody's going to be interested in trying to gain the talent like Otani and what he brings. But honestly, Yankee fans, honestly, do you have anything that the Angels want? And I get why the Angels owner is not going to sell to the Dodgers. That's, that's, no, I get that. I get that. That's like, that's like asking, the Yankees to trade Aaron Judge to the Mets. They're not going to trade him. Okay, if he signs as a free agent, that's one thing. We're not trading him there. We're not doing that. So what will the Yankees do at this deadline? And it's really been my thought process all along that when you look at this lineup, which Justin Verlander went through rather, rather easily today, 7-2 with the Yankees batting in the bottom of the eighth. 7-2 Mets. It's not just one spot. Okay, we talk about left field for the Yankees, and yes, that's a major need. Could you upgrade the third base? Yeah, you could. I mean, DJ LeMay, who looks like he's starting to come around a little bit hitting-wise. Could you upgrade a catcher? Yeah, right now for the Yankees, it's a, it's a defensive position. They don't expect, they really don't look to catcher to get a lot of power out of that position now. It's more of a defensive spot. So for me, 
it's a scenario where the Yankees need to upgrade multiple positions. So when they look at this tr- this trade deadline on August 1st, what are they thinking? Well, listen, you, everybody's heard the same people. Bellinger, Arenado, if he becomes available from the Cardinals. Everybody, it's, it's the same four or five guys. Same four or five guys. But I submit to you that, and obviously Judge is coming back sooner than we might have expected. Some are saying, well, he's not back yet. (laughs) But, I mean, you know, we'll hear from Aaron Boone, who spoke before the game about how quick and this kind of schedule that Judge is on right now. But it seems to me that you need multiple moves and some of them going into next season. So I, I don't think it's a – you're not a one-player – okay, we need one player to turn things around. That, that That's not where the Yankee lineup is. Yeah, well, we have Judge, and we have this one, and we have that one, and we get Rizzo going, and we get this one. But there's a lot of ifs. There's a lot of ifs. We haven't seen Rizzo put together – three or four games consistently where he's he's been himself. We haven't seen, seen Stanton give you three or four or five games consistently when he's been himself. We haven't seen DJ give you four or five or six games consistently where he's been himself offensively. Haven't seen it. The only person that's been consistent offensively has been Glaber Torres. He's been the only one. Consistent. They've had moments. Those guys have had moments. But they haven't been consistent. So for me, much for me, and I tell you, as a Met fan, I get it because my guys haven't been consistent either. But that's what I would think if you're Brian Casper. You want to get a couple of guys. You're not one. You're not one hitter away from straightening things out on this franchise, offensively. You're not. Now maybe listen. This is the best we can do. We don't, you know that's the decision they have to make. Can they find a way? Look, if it's Cody Bellinger, for example, Cody Bellinger will make you better. It doesn't make you already a World Series contender because you got one guy. That's not where you are. And that's what you need. So you need multiple players to get you squared away in the lineup so that you can be more of a threat offensively. And then what that does, by making you more of a threat offensively, it gives your bullpen a chance to breathe, right? And then it also gives you some much-needed punch in your lineup. Because when you face the better teams, I mean, come on, and we'll find out next week. It's clear. We'll know a lot about this team, a lot, in another week or so. We will. That's why I'm real interested to see which way they go, which way the – Cashman and crew decide that, yeah, this is the way we need to go to get better. Robs and Queens, what's up, Rob? Hey, Larry, how's it going, my friend? It's going great, Rob. What's going on with you? Not much, not much. It's nasty out here tonight, but we're fine. Mm -hmm. Um, So I had a a take on the Jets, and I also had a question about the Yankees. I'm not too into baseball, but I do have a question. Mm -hmm. Um, So my take on the Jets is, I think, obviously from a skill standpoint, they have what it takes. But I really feel like they can be special if these young guys can 
focus on the prize. Put the ego aside, and like you alluded to earlier, listen. Take it all in. Listen to your coaches. Believe in your teammates. Put the ego aside because chances like this don't come too often. Like you said earlier, they have they have the potential for that perfect storm of offense that can get it done and a defense that could keep you down. And they also have they have veterans in place. They have C.J. Mosley on that defense. They have Aaron Rodgers now. They have they have guys that can have a voice. And if these young guys really buy in and put aside that ego, I think they could be special. Yeah, I agree with that, uh, Rob. They have a nice mixture of veterans and young talent. And if they can get those guys on the same page, have a little bit of luck because being healthy is lucky. If you can minimize injuries, that's really, I don't care what the team is, how good you think they are, it, it's the injury situation that helps them out. I mean, right. Kansas City could have another Super Bowl if they didn't have their offensive line decimated by injury when they, when they lost that Super Bowl. Andrew Luck will still, in the, will still be in the league. <laughs> it's true. I mean, come on. You're right. It's, You're it's right. Ridiculous. You're right. So that, that's very true. But um, my question about the Yankees is, now I, I just started getting into baseball when I started listening to ESPN Radio. Okay. So after all these years, it's like, it just seems to be the same, the same thing year after year. It's always something. Like we know, we know every year is different. But what what is it where they just can't seem to get guys consistent together at the same time? We know the injury bug happens, but there's just always something. And thanks for taking the call again, man. All right, Rob. Thanks for thanks for checking in. For me, it's it's more of the the construction of the lineup this time. And I think previously people were always struggling with, okay, uh, what's going on with this Yankee team that is home run or bust. Either they hit home runs or that's it, and that's it. Home runs and that's it. And when you get to the postseason, yes, you you have to hit home runs, but you hit home runs and there's nobody on base. So you're not making contact. You're not in a situation where your guys are coming up with the opportunity to get two and three runs. It's either home run or nothing. And it's, and it's been, in the postseason, home runs, solo home runs. So, but now, over the past couple of years, you've had a scenario, Rob, where the lineup really just honestly hasn't been that great. Hasn't. From top to bottom, there's been holes in the lineup. And, yeah, I understand you could say that with several teams, but when you really think about the Yankees when they have been successful, it has been their ability from one to nine to be able to make it miserable for pitchers to try to find a safe spot where they can rest and take a break. And it's been a while since the Yankees have fielded a team like that. It's been a while. And so now you're looking at really the second year of a subpar lineup that even that everything would have to go right. The lineup has no margin for error. Everything has got to be good for this lineup to produce. And it hasn't been. And that's why they're struggling. Conversation continues on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty. Can you imagine Buck Walter having to bring David Robertson into a game that you're up 7-2 in the eighth inning to get a five-out save. Can you imagine that? 
that's that's what has just happened on this team. And so whether they decide to be sellers or buyers at the deadline. And you hope that you get Edwin Diaz back and he's going to be okay. I mean, think about this. He will have not pitched a year. So maybe that, you know, save the bullets in his arm a little bit. Maybe that's okay. But clearly, you're going to have to really, really overhaul this bullpen going forward. You're going to have to. It's 7-2. And you brought in your closer for a five-out save. So now, is he going to be available tomorrow? Because with Quintana and Rodon, this could be 13-12. (laughs) Or it could be (laughs) 2-1. That's the way it goes. You never know. It's baseball. You never know how it turns out. You think there are two guys who have struggled and Rodon has really struggled. I'm very curious to see if he struggles again tomorrow night, how the Yankee fans react. I'm very curious. Just blowing the kiss last time out. I, I'm, I'm curious. I'm curious to see. Hopefully he won't for Yankee fans. Hopefully he'll, he'll get together. Just keep in mind for him, this is April. Same thing with Quintana. This is April. These guys have been hurt. They've been trying to work their way back. It's going to be interesting to see what they do tomorrow night at the stadium. Anton's in the Big Apple. Anton, you're next on 987. Hey, Larry, first time calling you. You're great at what you do, but you made a point I want to piggyback off of okay. uh, with Cashman over here. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, we're, we're definitely more than one batter away if we're going to make a run over here. And the fact is he might, like, say we're not going to get anybody because we got Judge coming back and we got Nestor coming back, but no one's going to pitch to Judge if right. we have these guys around them that aren't hitting right now. We need mm-hmm. some real solid hitters. And, you know, the thing that's upsetting me is Cashman knew we didn't have a left fielder, didn't get anybody. Cashman knew that Donaldson wasn't good, but we're paying a lot to him, and he didn't want to suck it up and say, hey, long move, my bad, and get somebody else that we needed. I'm just sick of Cashman, and it doesn't matter what I say and everybody else says, he's in with Hal. So now I feel like the Wilpons. Like I have to wait <laughs> for somebody to sell this team to finally get back to it. Because if George was here, Cashman would have been gone. Ten years, no championships, you're out, buddy. That's it, man. I'm out. All right, Anton. Thanks for checking in. I'll say this. And this has been a tough couple of years for Brian Cashman. It really has. There's been some moves that he's made that just has, has not worked out. And they've been really bad. And they look bad, 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 bad. You're a thousand percent right. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. You knew going into the season, after how you lost to Houston, that even as even if this team played on all cylinders in that lineup, the lineup wasn't good enough to beat the Houston Astros. That was clear to you by what you saw with your eyes. You knew you needed to upgrade the team a little more than you did. Now, you decided to go upgrade on pitching with Rodon, and you signed him. And, okay, that would not have been my first choice, but I get when you have an opportunity to strengthen your pitching staff, that's what you do. You never have enough pitching. Look how many pitchers the Yankees have, have lost pitchers for the past couple of years. They've had pitchers injured. Loisica is trying to get back. Cortez trying to get back. That's two. You know, that's one third of your starters and one third of your bullpen. And Loisica arguably was in the 
you know, had the opportunity to be in the line as a closer because the Yankee fans and the Yankee management weren't sure what they were getting with Clay Holmes. So you're looking at a potential closer that you have not had because of injury. And there's several pitchers that you got in trades that have been hurt, relievers. Now, the Yankees have done a decent job, and they normally do. They have young arms in their in their system, and they normally bring them up, and they do a great job as, as being in the bullpen. They normally do. And the bullpen has been great. It has. I mean, honestly, the bullpen's been great. They're just overworked. And it's very similar to what we say with the Met bullpen because you have not gotten length. You know, Severino was much better his last time out, but there's been outings where he's gone two, three innings, and now you're picking up the bullpen. So your bullpen's worn out. That's why they're struggling a little bit. They've been called on a lot. They have kept this team in games where then late they found a way to win a couple and steal some games. And now you pay for that. And you pay for that with the fact that they're worn out now. And you hope that you can score enough runs and get them rested so that for that stretch run, late August going into September, where you're trying to really continue to battle for a wild card spot, that you can get a little, get some more, juice in those arms to get going. So, you know, Aaron Boone's going to have to really monitor what he does with his bullpen and try to get, you know, he needs a little, needs a little more length from his starters. As And listen, that's not just the Yankees and Mets. It's a lot of teams in Major League Baseball. Because once again, they're not really working these kids to go eight, nine innings. They're not stretching them out like that anymore. This is, we are protecting our investment with starters. Six innings, seven innings, we're good. We don't expect anybody. Complete games are a lost art. Lost art. We got pitch counts. We got other things. We want to hold on to the arms of our pitchers. We want to make sure we don't get them hurt. We want to make sure we limit them from Tommy John surgery, if at all possible. But once again, as you know, pitchers still get injured. Still get injured. Still. But that's the situation that the Yankees are looking at right now. So if they can find a way, once again, Cortez gets back. Loisica comes back. That gives you a little additions to your bullpen. You got some other guys you're looking for. Michael King, you would like to see him revert back to the way he was before he got hurt. And then you'll see where you go from there. So that's, once again, that's the Yankee standpoint. And the Yankee standpoint is a little different. Okay, a couple of days ago, they were four out of a wild card spot. Now, a couple of wins, they're two and a, two, two and a half out. They lose tonight, it'll change, of course, but they're two, two and a half out. So they still have an option. They still, they're still in it. And that's what I said, that's what I mean when I say for them to get multiple players. Yeah, they need multiple players. One of them's got to be bullpen, but the rest have got to be bats. And yeah, I know what you're saying about if George were here and it would be this way and it would be that way and Casper would be gone. And I get it. I understand it. But I don't know because it's a little different world. 
And I understand that, that Yankee fans are unhappy because they're not seeing the accountability that they're used to from ownership. And that's really what you're saying, right? You're really saying we would, we're having this scenario where we haven't even been to a World Series, much less won one in 2009, since 2009. And George wouldn't stand for that. He would be making changes and doing things. And he probably would have fired Cashman by then. It's probably so. I remember he threatened to fire Brian Cashman because he didn't get David Ortiz from Minnesota before Boston got him. And he was just like, how could he miss him? I don't understand how he missed him. This was a guy that was readily available. Why isn't he on our team? Why isn't why is he continuing to wear us out? So I get that you miss the accountability, but, you know, we'll see what happens with this on this trade deadline. And we'll see what happens if they uh, don't come back and win tonight. Because, listen, they, I feel good. David Robertson's in the game, but, you know, even the great ones have a bad night. So we'll see what happens. That wraps up this edition of the Dan Grosser Show. Larry Horstein and for Dan. We thank you for joining us. Ty Butler, Big Daddy Ty is next. I know he will want to talk about this game. He's got some thoughts on Saquon Barkley. He's got some thoughts on Jalen Brown and the big money in the NBA. So line the calls up for Big Daddy Ty, 1-800-919-3776. 1-800-919-3776. Harvey, Julian, thank you very much. Ty Butler's next on 98.7 ESPN. This is ESPN New York Tonight. Here's Larry Hardesty.